Welcome to SCG Church's podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, you can always join us live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages. We also have live outdoor services underneath our tent at Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. Thanks so much for listening.
Father, we thank you, God. Oh, you're just a wonderful God. You're so good to us. We appreciate being able to stand here today and give you praise. We're here for a purpose. And so, God, we know that you don't make any mistakes. So each one of us today are here to worship you, to give you praise, and to say thank you for all that you've done. Will you continue to bless this service, the word that's going to come, the message? Will you bless our time? shower your love down on us and we'll give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We've got one more song that we're going to do for you. Stronger than ever Sometimes 
I was back there enjoying this song. I was thinking it's ending already. Guys, come on. Kind of shortchanged me on that one. How you doing? You good? Everybody good? Yeah, some of you are. The rest of you don't know how to clap. What's the deal? Are you good? All right, good, 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 good. Cool, all right. So, uh, yeah, I will not be moved. Uh, there's only one way that you live a life that you can say that confidently, and it's in Jesus Christ. And so we're here to celebrate him, and we're so thankful we get to do that, and I'm so thankful you're here. And those watching online, I'm glad that you guys are celebrating with us, and uh, I hope you feel that confidence in your faith that whatever comes, you and God, you're good. You're going to be all right. So, hey, listen, a couple things. One is uh, we have a master class coming up. Now, if you don't know what master class is, we do a, a teaching time. So we do the weekend series. It's on Matthew. We'll do the weekend teaching. And then on Tuesday nights, we're going to do a team teaching to go further in depth, kind of more verse by verse about what uh, was being talked about, what the implications are for us, how we live it out. And then we have also have small group curriculum. So you can join us online and watch it. We highly recommend you get in a small group. I think many of our small groups, most of our small groups are doing Zoom, so you don't have to leave your house uh, if you don't want to. And, uh, and so that starts next week. So you can go online, get signed up for that, and uh, it's really good stuff. It's really, you'll get kind of the, uh, the, the kind of more in-depth kind of stuff. I think you'll like it. Also, I want to say thank you for all those who continue to give and are so faithful. We're doing ministry. We're opening more stuff all the time. And uh, one of the things we opened out long ago was our youth department and uh, junior high and high school. Yeah, and if you've got if you've got kids, and uh, you know we opened the kids department, and uh, we're doing all the precautionary stuff, but it's time. So uh, so we're just grateful to do that. And so one of the things I want to I mention to you is our speaker tonight is Matt Cianfrani, and uh, Matt is our high school, junior high, young adults, youth guy, right? Uh, along with his team, they're doing an incredible job. And now Matt has spoken with us in the uh, master class, and he's spoken with me and and the team on the team, but I don't think he's ever gone solo. Is that right? So it's his first solo weekend, and I told him you guys would be behind him. So let's welcome Matt Franny. All right, guys. Well, hey, it's good to be with you guys. And uh, yeah, like Doyle said, my name is Matt, and uh, I'm smart because I brought a computer, and so my notes didn't fly off because, like, the crazy wind. So thank you for letting me speak on the windiest day of the year. That's cool. Um, well, hey, uh, I'm excited to be here with you guys today, and um, today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a few things. One of the things I, I want to do with our time is I want to I kind of tell you about something that's been on my heart for, for, for a little bit, and I, wanna, I also want to share just a little bit of my, of my story with you. Now, yeah, some good moments, right? There's good moments in my life, good moments in your life, and then I want to share some, some painful moments in my life, and I want to I teach you what God has taught me through the, the ups and the downs and, and what he has taught me through one of the maybe most painful experiences um, that anyone can go through and uh, one of the most painful experiences uh, that, that I've gone through. And I also want to kind of communicate to you guys tonight that God can use anything, anything in your, in your life and my life for good. In the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 28, one of my very favorite verses, it says, for God works for the good for those who believe in Christ Jesus the Lord. And uh, that verse has meant so much to me as I've gone through what I'm about to talk about in a second. Now, uh, instead of us kind of journeying together to get to my main point or where we're ending today, I'm going to teach a little bit differently, and that is I'm going to tell you up front where we're going. I'm going to tell you up front where, where we're landing, what we're going to be talking about today, and it's a fundamental yet universal truth, and it's pretty simple because I'm not the, definitely not the smartest guy in the room, and uh, here it is. Your decisions lead you to a destination. Your decisions lead you to a destination. Simple enough, right? Your decisions lead you to a destination. Now, I need to remind you that I don't know who thought it was a good idea to give youth pastor the mic this weekend. 
And so I'm going to share a true story with you guys that many of your kids over the years, if you have students in 6th to 12th or even they're 35 and they're young adults, um, they, they, they love the story. But I'll be honest with you, it's a little bit graphic, all right? So I'm not going to share the story and the details that I tell 6th graders, all right? But um, it's a little graphic. So that's a disclaimer. If this story offends you, you can email me at Cody at Seacoast Grace. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so it all takes place 2011. I was a senior at Cypress High School. And um, uh, a few of my buddies and I, we decided to go to Lake Havasu for the weekend. My family, my buddy's family was going up there, and we were able to hitch a ride with them. And so uh, just crossing the border, I guess there's this somewhat famous little Mexican restaurant from California into Arizona that has these really famous Cal- California burritos in Arizona. But anyways, they are like gigantic. They're like a few pounds or something. And uh, <laughs> they're like the size of like, I don't know, like a newborn baby. They're literally, it's insane. They're ridiculous. So anyways, uh, when we got there, I had like a quarter of one. Because, you know, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a little guy. I'm like 5'9", 150 pounds at the time or whatever. I'm still 5'9", but a little more than 150. But anyways. So one of my buddies, he got dared to eat two of them. And, you know, men, right? Or boys, whatever. And so uh, he decided he was going to finish two of them, which is probably like eight pounds of meat, right? Which is just a terrible idea. Just an absolute terrible idea. Now, um, what he didn't know and what I knew was that we were going straight from this restaurant right to the lake to go wakeboarding on a rocking boat. And uh, you know what mom always said, right? Mom always said, all right, if you eat a lot, make sure you don't go into the water immediately, right? And my mom was a wise, smart mama, and so I listened to her. My buddy, however, did not. And so we get to the lake, and we take the boat, and one after another, we're all jumping in the water and and wakeboarding. And and, uh, (laughs) it's my turn to to go, and so I hop in the water, and I'm not really good at wakeboarding, so I'm figuring this thing out. I'm paddling over the board. I'm trying to strap myself in, and I glance up, and I see on the boat my buddy. And uh, he is not doing hot. He's got like the meat sweats, right? He's, he's walking around. He is, he's not doing good, right? And you could probably, because you're smart people, probably know where this story is headed. And don't worry, I'm not going to be super graphic. And so he just jumps into the water. Maybe it's going to take a turn. We'll see. And so he jumps into the water. And uh, again, graphic, all right? And so I'm going to keep this PG. And so uh, he, I can just see from, the, from, from his neck, he's taking his pants off. That's all I can see, right? And I can see that he's going to the bathroom because he, he's excited. Now, just at this time, a boat comes by, kicks up a wake. <laughs> it's now quickly coming my direction, and my buddy is now splashing it towards me, thinking this is the funniest thing ever. I don't know how this became my problem. But anyways, so, <laughs> so he gets back in the boat, and I'm like, go, 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 go. And they, 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 they go just in time, just in time to tow me right through it. <laughs> and so I share that silly junior high story to tell you this one easy truth. Every decision you make leads you to a destination. Not just that. Every decision you make also has the capacity to lead those around you to destinations they either want to go to or destinations they don't want to go to. See, at differing points throughout my story, you probably saw my buddy making some pretty unwise decisions. And you, because you guys are people of substance, you probably saw where that was headed, right? You probably saw that there was a certain destination, a landing, that these decisions were going to correlate to a very certain ending. So the big question we're asking today is a pretty simple one. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not a super smart guy, so I like to keep things simple. Is if every decision you make leads you to a destination, the big, big, big question we're going to ask today is this. Where are your decisions leading you? Where are your decisions leading you, right? Because your decisions, they're leading you to become someone. And they're definitely leading you to a destination. Now, the issue is, and the reason I really want to talk about this with you guys today, is that most people, and I think maybe we could be honest with each other, probably don't live with the sense of intentionality that they really think they do. Right? And no one thinks that they're probably not being intentional, but the issue is most people probably aren't living with a deep sense of intentionality. A few weeks ago, Doyle, Cody, and Autumn and I, we were up here and we were talking about what it means to be a team, and I said a quote 
that by Pastor Manny Stanley that I like. It's that everyone ends up somewhere. A few people end up where they want to be. A few people end up there intentionally, right? And so I've learned this the hard way. I've learned this the hard way as I've watched the life of someone I love very much. I've examined and learned from this person's life. I've gleaned a lot and God has taught me a lot. And I've shared parts of this story with you before. Uh, if you've been around here for a while, um, I shared a little bit at master class. I was able to teach a while back with Doyle and I've, I did a worship night of many, many months ago, and I shared just a little bit about the story. And so a disclaimer is the story I'm about to share with you. I understand it's heavy. It'll be the heaviest story that I ever have the privilege of sharing with you guys. And so that's just a little bit of a disclaimer. It was a Sunday night, January 11, 2015. I came home from young adults. Cody was teaching and uh, doing a mediocre job. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he's probably watching. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I remember coming home, and I, I get into my house, and I can see that my mom is concerned. She's very concerned about the health of my dad. And I said, Mom, what's going on? And she said, well, Dad's really not feeling well. He, he, he says, you know, he's pale and he's been kind of thrown up and he's just not doing well. And I'm, I'm a little concerned. I'm worried about him. And I, I was like, all right, well, you know, like, well, let's pray for him. And, you know, him, I'm sure he's going he's gonna to be fine. I said, where is he at? And he said, well, he went to bed a few hours ago. I said, all right. So um, throughout the night, I remember waking up just a handful of times and hearing my dad throw up. About five or six different times throughout the night, I remember kind of hearing my dad go to the restroom and, and, and throw up. I could hear him. I'm thinking, all right, the flu, food poisoning, something along those lines. Next morning is January 12th, 2015. I woke up, went to work like any other Monday. And as I got to my office, I realized that I forgot my computer charger. So I got to turn around and I got to head back home. The good news, I live right across the street. So I'm going down the stairway and there I meet a coworker that I haven't seen since the Christmas break. And uh, she bumps into me and I said, hey, it's good to see you. How have you been? How was your Christmas? And she said, it was actually one of the best Christmases I've ever had. And I said, well, well, why is that? That's awesome. And she said, well, I, I got one of my very favorite gifts. And I was like, well, what was it? I'm thinking it's like a brand new car, Alexis. I don't know what it was. And she said, well, actually, and she pulled out of her pocket a little mustard seed that's in a glass jar. This is the exact one, actually. And she said, this is the best gift I've ever gotten. And I said, you know, that's actually one of my favorite passages in Scripture. You just need the faith of a mustard seed. I don't know if you've ever seen a mustard seed before, but they are very, very, very tiny. You just need, you just need, to, God, you just need to give God a little room in your life just a little faith, just a little trust, and he can make that inch into a mile and do something miraculous, do something supernatural with it. And that's the reason that I love that verse so much. And so she looked at me and she said, you know what, Matt, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I feel led in this moment actually to hand this to you. And I was like, all right. And so she handed it to me and I said, thank you. And I put it in my pocket and head, headed back home. As I got home, I uh, walked up to my house and got into my front door. And there I saw my mom. And I've never seen this look on my mom's face before. She said, we need to take your dad to the hospital. We need to take your dad to the hospital. And I was like, whoa, like, well, what's going on, mom? I'm like, well, what's going on? And she said, he says he's dying. He's, he, says, he says he's dying. And I was like, whoa. I was like, mom, like, you and I are the only believers in our household. Like, and I pulled out the mustard seed that I got moments beforehand. And I said, we just need to have faith that God's going to make everything all right. And I handed it to her. And then I ran to my dad's room. And there, I've never seen my dad like this before. He was laying in his bed. He was pale white, having a really difficult time breathing. And I heard that as I walked down the hall. And I got to his room and I turned and my dad was pale. And he, he couldn't even do a sit-up to get up to put his clothes on to go to the hospital. So I ran over to him and I put my arms under him and I brought him to the side of the bed. And then I said, Dad, what's going on? Like, are you all right? And he just said, I feel like I'm dying. I feel like I'm dying. In the most weak and brittle voice that I've ever heard my dad speak before. And so I said, Dad, well, what happened? Like, why, why are you feeling like this? And there he said, something that completely changed my outlook on the entire situation. What he told me was, I had too much to drink last night. 
What I don't want you to do or want you to think tonight is that as I talk about this story, that I didn't think my dad was a good dad or a great man, because that isn't the truth. I loved my dad. My dad was a great man, a good dad, had a problem. He was an alcoholic my entire life. In this moment, all of the, the nervousness that I was experiencing about the what-if questions immediately turned to anger. I was livid. I was thinking about the times I'd come home from school and my dad would be passed out on the couch. The times that because he was drunk, he'd embarrass me in front of my friends. I was livid. It was the number one emotion. Fast forward a few minutes and I'm helping my dad get his clothes on still. I'm almost aggressively walking him down the hall with his arm around my shoulders. And I'm, we're going down the hall. He's bumping into family pictures that are falling off the wall. Finally, we get out to our front lawn and my mom has turned the car around and I walk my dad over and I open the passenger side and I sit him inside. My mom looks up and says, hey, can you help your dad put his seatbelt on? I looked at him as he looked at me and I slammed the door and I said, figure it out. And they drove away. I went back to work, grabbed my computer charger, went back to work. And a few hours later, my mom called me and told me kind of what was happening. Because my dad was an alcoholic for about 50 years or so, the acid in alcohol erodes your esophagus. And so the entire night, he was internally bleeding. I didn't tell anyone. I know this because later on, when I got home, I saw that our bathroom was covered in blood. And so my mom said that he had to be rushed into an emergency surgery and that they needed to operate and, and, and close what was the internal bleeding going on in his esophagus. I said, well, how is he doing? And the doctor said, actually, he, he responded really well. And um, they're going to keep him in an incubated coma for the next 24 or so hours so that uh, he doesn't move and tear the stitches. And okay, great. Well, I'll see you guys tomorrow or so for, um, for lunch or, or, or for dinner. It's now Tuesday, January 13th, 2015. I'm in my office. I'm writing a sermon for junior high. Tuesday night service, and I get a call around noon. Look at my caller ID, it says mother self. I answer it and I'm expected, you know, to, we're going somewhere. Hey mom. And she said my name in a way that I've never heard it before. I've never heard someone speak with so much pain. And she just said my name, Matt. I said, mom. And she said, the doctors are saying he's not gonna make it. The doctors are saying he's not gonna make it. What? It was like the, 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 the walls in my office were suffocating me. They were closing in on me. I didn't know what, my dad always pulls through. He's invincible. Every, every boy thinks their dad's Superman. What do you mean he's not going to pull through? I got up with this one haunting reality as I headed towards my car. It was this one right here. My dad does not know Christ. My dad has been an atheist my entire life, and I made the mistake of thinking I had more time. I thought I had more tomorrows, in minutes, in days, in weeks, in months, in years. I thought I had more time to be more bold in my faith. As I got to my car, I ran over and picked up my sister, my twin sister, Melissa, and we jetted off over to the hospital. Got to the hospital, running past the, 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 the nurses, the, the check-in station, just straight to my dad's room, room 111. As I got there, I walked straightly over to my mom and I said, Mom, do you have the mustard seed? And she said, I do. She pulled it out of her purse and handed it to me. Then I walked over to my dad and with the boldness that I wish I had years beforehand in moments, in weeks and days before this, I put the mustard seed in his hand and I said in the book of Matthew chapter 7, it says, wide is the gate that leads to destruction, narrow is the one that leads to life. I said, Dad, you need to find that narrow road. At this, time, at this point, he was, in, he was in, on complete life support, in a complete coma. I didn't know if he would hear me, but I wasn't going to 
not seize this moment. I said in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one goes to heaven. No one has a relationship with God but except through me. Or in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, salvation is found in no one else. For there was no name under, under heaven given to mankind in which we must be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. And then I said in Matthew 17, it says, you need the faith of a mustard seed. You need the faith of a mustard seed. God, give meet with my dad right now, and dad, give him an inch. Give him the faith of a mustard seed. Give him just a little bit, and he will use that. Believing, just as the thief on the cross did with Jesus, that my dad could come to Christ in, in, in the end of his life. It was around this time the doctor came in and asked, okay, well, what's really going on with my dad? Like, medically speaking, what's happening? And they told me that my dad's organs were beginning to shut down from the years of, uh, of alcohol and, and, and tobacco use and that they couldn't do anything for him, that there was nothing that they could do. Now, fast forward that night, I decided to sleep on the floor of the hospital next to my dad's bed and by my mom. In the middle of the night, I remember just being woken up by flashing lights and I didn't know what was going on and I saw doctors and nurses just jumping over me to get to my dad, I don't know if he was coding. To this very day, I don't know what was going on, but they were really concerned about it. I looked around, my mom wasn't in the room at that time. I don't know where she was, and I didn't know what to do, but I had my backpack and I had my Bible. And so I just got to the corner of the room as they were doing something on my dad, and I happened to just flip open my, my Bible, and I actually fell upon the story in Mark chapter four of the mustard seed. But my eyes quickly moved down just a few verses to verse 37, and it's this account here. It's the, this account of Jesus calming the storm. Here's what I read that night. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. That's in that moment what I felt like. I felt like I was in a storm in my life and that God was not answering my prayers, that God was not hearing me. God, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm almost a pastor now. Like I'm a good person. I'm doing good things. Why is this happening to me? It continued. It says, then the disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, don't you care? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the waves died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. I've shared this story before, at least this part, because it hit me here. Here's what I learned that day. Peace doesn't come from having calm waters, but it comes from having Jesus in your boat. It comes from having Jesus in your life. Simply put, because of sin, we live in a world that is just simply not the way that it's supposed to be. And there is but one, and one only person that can make things right. There is no amount of wealth, education, communication, or even awareness that can take the brokenness in our world, the brokenness in your life, and the brokenness in my life and make it whole and make it right once again. It was around this time, about three or four o'clock in the morning, that my dad began to stabilize. And I was able to get a few more hours of sleep. I woke up in the morning of January 14th, which was a Wednesday, uh, to the doctor talking to my mom, saying these words, I'm surprised he made it through the night. A few hours later, the doctor came in and said that they did some scans on my dad and flashed a flashlight over his eyes and his retinas didn't expand and that that meant that he was brain dead and that my dad was no longer there, that he was going to be in a vegetated state forever. And they left us with an ultimatum. They said, you basically have two choices. You can continue to keep him on the life support machines, but he's not really there. And modern medicine and science were pretty good at keeping people in this 
suspended type of state, but he's, he's not there. Or he can begin to turn off the machines and most likely he'll pass within a few hours. And our family, led by my mom, decided to turn off the machines that day. And it was the most bizarre moment in my life. Maybe you've experienced a similar one. We were all surrounding my dad's bed. He had the mustard seed in his hand and my hand clenched on his hand. Surrounded by his family and we were just weeping, right? His bed was just covered in our tears. And what made it bizarre is we were just waiting as we all looked at the heart monitor, hearing its beeps, not to hear the beeps any longer. To know that my dad wasn't going to be there any longer. Still at this time, I'm praying over my dad that he would come to some saving knowledge, some saving faith in Christ. It was at this time, I remember my mom, she's so strong, she was holding my dad's face and she kept just saying, Mark, it's okay. It's okay. You can go now. It's okay. My dad finally passed away on January 14th, 2015 at 1.11 p.m. in room 111. People ask me all the time, do I believe my dad's in heaven? Sure, I'm hopeful, right? But the honest answer to this question is, I don't know. Well, here's what I do know. That that decision that day, on January 14th, 2015 at 111, that that decision was made by an all-loving, all-kind, merciful, yet equally just God. And that at the end, my dad got what my heavenly father deemed was perfectly loving and perfectly just. And for that, I can rest in the character of my God. The second thing I know is this, that on that day, there were tears in the Father's eyes. Because there are either tears of sadness or tears of joy when one of us pass away. Tears of sadness because we're going to spend eternity away from him, or tears of joy because we're going to spend eternity with him. So why? Why did I tell you this weighty, this heavy story tonight? Because my dad made a series of decisions that ultimately led him to a destination. You too are making a series of decisions that are leading you to a destination. The big question is, where are your decisions leading you? Because here's what I can guarantee you. My dad would have never thought that his first sip of alcohol in the 60s in a bar in Philadelphia would have eventually led to his very last breath here on earth. See, death is a ticket that we will all punch one day. And I have not done my job if I haven't adequately expressed to you guys tonight what is at stake here. Because you must deal with personally who you think Jesus Christ is because you will meet him one day, just as my dad did on January 14th, 2015. The reality is each man and woman is going to stand before God and give an account to him of their life. And you will either stand before God and plead your case and be found guilty, or you will stand before him and be found innocent as Jesus pleads your case on behalf of you. Many would have you believe that heaven is your natural default, and that simply is not true. We need a supernatural spiritual change to be spiritually reborn, to be made new, is what the New Testament says. And there was but one and one and only person that can do that, and his name is Jesus Christ. And all of that, all of that today leads us to the most important decision you could ever make. And that is to follow Jesus Christ and make him the Lord over your life. So the question is, what does it mean? What does it mean to make Jesus the Lord of my life? Make him to make my Savior? It first means to admit that you are powerless and spiritually dead without him. 
In the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse, chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Or in Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin are death, but the free gift of, of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Or in the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verse 13, it says, when you were dead in your sin, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven all of our sin. I've said this before, and it's important that you know, man is not just unkind and unethical. He is lost and spiritually dead and doomed without Jesus Christ. See, the difference between Jesus Christ and every ethical and moral teacher, every other religion and every ethical moral teacher that has been made to be God or deified by man over the centuries and millennia, is that they came to make bad people good, but Jesus came to make dead people live. A while back, I was reading in the Old Testament, came across a story that you may know that is a story of Jacob wrestling with God. It's an interesting part because in it, God could have asked Jacob any question. And Jacob said, I'm not going to leave you until you bless me. And God asked him the most extraordinary question. He said, what is your name? What is your name? Who are you really? He said, my name is Jacob. Now why? Why, why, would, why would God, he's omniscient, he's all-knowing, so why would God ask this question? Of course he knows his name. Because years before, when he stole the blessing and inheritance from his blind father, Isaac, he pretended to be Esau, the person the blessing was supposed to go to. And so now he is now kneeling before an all-seeing father. And he can't fake it. He's now kneeling before an all-seeing father, and God says, who are you? Who are you really? And he says, you got me. My name's Jacob. And then because he admitted to who he really was, God said, I'm going to make something great out of you. If there's something I want you to hear tonight, it's, it's this. God can never make something great out of you until you come to an adequate and accurate understanding of who you really are. He also can't save you. God also can't bless your life until you come to an adequate and accurate understanding of how desperately you need him. There's a thing I often say to our students and youth. It's that we are not mistakers who need a second chance. We're sinners who need a savior. People would have you believe that you just mess up. That is not true. There is something inside you and inside me that has a disposition to separate us from God. And without Jesus Christ in your life, you will never be made right with God. There is but one way. One of my favorite verses, and we're going to end pretty early tonight is in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 21. It says this, And she, talking about Mary, shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Jesus. And this is my favorite part. For he shall save his people from their sins. As we wrap up today, because here's what, here's what I want to do. I want to talk to two types of people in this room, in this audience, watching tonight. The, the first is the person who has already made a decision to follow Christ. You in this room would say you have a relationship with Christ. I swore never again to cower away from telling the people in my life whom I love the truth about the human condition, that you cannot save yourself, that you cannot save yourself. And what I've learned is, is because we love people, we need sometimes to have hard conversations, but we need to do it with a soft and a loving heart. And so... I share this story with you, yes, this weighty story with you, because I want to encourage you not to make the same mistake that I made with my dad, thinking that I had more time. 
thinking that I had more tomorrows, in days, in weeks, in months, in years. I didn't. And so there are people in your life, you call them husband, or wife, or dad, or mom, or sister, or brother, or son or daughter, or friend. There is nothing, there is nothing more important than telling a dying world about a living Jesus. There's nothing, that no, there's no mission more purposeful than connecting people to their creator, to a God that loves them and wants to save them from their sin. And so my encouragement tonight is this, to step outside of your comfort zone. There are people, your neighbor, there are people in your life that don't know the truth that you know, that don't have the hope that you have. The story of Esther shows us one thing, is that God places us in people's lives for a divine reason. That reason is for us to participate in bringing the good news to a world that desperately needs it. There are people in your world that need to hear the good news. And I say this, number one is to step outside of your comfort zone, to love people with the truth. And if I could just give you a quick definition of love, it's pretty simple. It's that love is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person, but the next part is the most important, to bring that person to a right standing before God. Culture would have you understand the definition of love that is not loving. The most loving thing that you and I could do is to bring people into a right relationship with their God. That is what it means to live righteously. I have a right relationship with people, and I have a right relationship with God, and I am ushering in, in every activity and thought of my life, trying to bring people to have a right relationship with God. And then the next part of this is to live in a way that honors God. I'll say it this way. If we don't live our faith out publicly, we're never going to convict people to come to God privately. The second person I want to talk to is the person that hasn't made the decision to follow Christ. I'm so excited you're here. Maybe you're watching. I'd love to have a conversation with you. This person is a person that is rejecting God. For whatever the reason may be, I'd love to have a conversation with you. And I'm going to say something in a moment that's going to be offensive because the exclusivity of the gospel, in essence, is offensive. And so don't leave if you are offended without having a conversation with me. And so here's what I need to tell you because I love you. You do not, need, you do not get to live wrong and die right. What I want to tell you is that God does not want you to spend eternity away from him because he has moved heaven and he has brought it to earth in the person of Jesus Christ so you could come to a saving knowledge of him. You until the day you die will make plans for days that you don't have. You will hope for tomorrow and the day after that because it has happened in your yesterdays. But tomorrow is never certain. That's one thing that I've learned as I, as I saw the life leave my dad's body is tomorrow is never certain. And so you until the day you die and your friends and everyone you know until the day they die will make plans for days they don't have. And so let my charge be to you tonight to make the decision to get right with God. It's the most important and it's the best decision you will ever make in your entire life and there is no time better than the present. And so as we wrap up today, every decision, it leads you to a destination. And I understand the weightiness of this message. And so the greatest decision that you will ever make is to put your faith in Jesus Christ and then to make your life about his work and you'll be glad you did. Let's pray. Father, I am so thankful for a church that wants to know you more. And so Lord, I ask, Father, that the people who are far from you, Lord God, would you convict their hearts I believe, God, that destinies can be changed right now by people just opening up their hearts, Father, to you. 
The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when just one sinner repents. And so, Father, that's what we pray for. I thank you, Father, for the, an incredible church that has some incredible believers. I'd ask, Father, that you would help us understand that the church is the only organization on earth that does not exist for its members. And so, Father, if the story of Luke chapter 15 shows us anything, it's that you have a heart for people who don't know you, for people who are lost. And so, Father, may we develop a heart that loves what you love. Father, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, Matt. Well, I think um, we didn't know how we are going to end this, and Matt didn't tell me what to do, so I'm going to do what I think I should do. So um, maybe you're here, and or maybe you're online, and you have never committed your life to Christ. You just keep thinking you got more time, or God's not real, or whatever it is, and Matt kind of got to you a little bit. His story got to you because that story is your story, and yet you still have time. And so I'm just going to do something right now. It's not a big deal. I'm not asking you to join our church. We probably wouldn't even let you. We don't really have a methodology for that. So uh, what I'm going to invite you to do is come and believe in Jesus and let him save you and forgive you and change your eternity. And so I'm going to ask him to bring these lights on me down so I can see in the house. And we're not going to do a big weird thing. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Then I'm going to say a prayer for you. If you've never accepted Christ, or maybe you did, and you just kind of got lost along the way and you, and you forgot it or you walked away, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and recommit your life to Christ because you've got time to do that right now, right here. And that story reminded you that this is that important. So I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. No big emotional deal or anything. We're not going to sing any songs. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand right now. And let me see it. If you want to commit your life to Christ. I see a hand. I see another one. Anybody else? One more. I see another. Anybody else? Lord, I couldn't see very well, but you do. You see perfectly well. And even as I'm praying, Lord, there may be some people that want to raise their hand and just say they need you. They don't want to pass from this life into the next, not knowing what's going to happen. In this moment right now, Lord, they want to know that they're forgiven. They want to say they're sorry for everything they did that was outside the lines and everything that they've done can be forgiven because what you did on the cross and they want that right now so by raising their hand they say forgive me lord god and they're saying be in charge and take care of me now and guide me into the future and take me to heaven forever that's what they're saying right right now lord so right now i just pray that you would accept them into your kingdom lord god that you would forgive them of everything they've done wrong that you would bring peace and joy and love and relief and forgiveness into their hearts right now and Lord God, that whatever held them down, whatever ensnared them before, whether it was alcohol or a bad experience in the past or pride, whatever it might be, that they would give it up and they would receive your goodness and your joy and a friendship and a relationship with you. And Lord God, right now, I pray that they would know that they are forgiven and that their eternity is with you in heaven and nobody will ever have to guess that again. So right now, I commit them to you, Lord. They're yours. Accept them. Celebrate over them. Thank you for coming so that that could happen. In Jesus' name, amen.
Those of you who raised your hand, I want you to do something for me in a couple minutes. I'm going to ask Matt and Chelsea, who's his wife, also my daughter, uh, to stand right down here. And any of our staff members right over here and any serving elders there to stand right there. And I'm going to ask you, if you raise your hand, to just go talk to Matt. And maybe you didn't raise your hand because you have some questions. Matt is incredibly bright. Don't let him kid you. He may be the smartest guy in the room. Um, and if you have questions, just ask him. And if you raise your hand, go by and tell him you raise your hand. He's not going to do anything weird. He's not going to get you to sign up or anything. He might give you a Bible, actually. And just right over there after we're done, okay? I want to do one more prayer, if that's all right. And it's for anybody here tonight who is sitting here going, oh, that's my, that's my wife, my husband, my mom, my dad, my sibling, my friend. Is like Matt's dad. thinking a friend of mine right now. Long, long time friend. Who right now is so lost. Going the wrong direction. I fear someday I'll have to stand in a hospital room with him. I'll have to say those prayers that he can't may not be able to hear anymore and it'll be too late one day it's heavy maybe there's somebody in your life you love that this just feels a little too close to home and you need God's help I'd just like you to stand if you've got somebody like that we stand with me and I'm going to pray that God will give us strength that God will give us wisdom that God will give us opportunities to share our faith in a way that helps them come to know how important it is so just go ahead and stand right now if you got somebody like that in your life. If you're at home, stand. I don't care if the neighbors see you, stand if you've got somebody like this. Lord, you see us standing, you see me standing, you know who I'm thinking about. You know who these folks are thinking about. Lord, I can't wait to be with you someday. I can't wait to spend eternity with you grandmas and grandpas and my dad and all those who believe in you that have gone before but it pains me to think that there are some people that I love dearly some people that I love deeply that I've gone through so much life with who will not be there unless they change unless they come to commit themselves to you and Lord that is heavy and so right now for me and for all of us in that situation I pray that you would you would fill us with faith for them not that we can make a decision for them, but faith in believing that if we will be true to you, you will be true to your word and you will give them opportunities to come to you. And I pray that you begin even now not only to build our faith and to give us enthusiasm for you and for sharing your word, but you would begin to work on them wherever they are at this moment right now, whether they're in this room or in the living room or they're far away, wherever, maybe they're in a bar somewhere drinking. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would come on them right now. And they would begin to feel how incredibly alone they are without you. They would begin to take serious the consequences of living this life without you, the repercussions in the life to come. And Lord, that they would come to you not so that I could be right or we could be spiritually superior, but Lord, so that we can all experience and celebrate you and live in joy and love and peace forever. And so right now, 
whatever the names are these people are thinking of, and my friend I'm thinking of, and the people at home, their friends, family they're thinking of, we just begin to lift them up to you right now. We ask your Holy Spirit would come, you would fill us with faith, You'd begin to hound our friend, our family member who is so lost, Lord God, that you'd begin to just follow them. And everywhere they turn, they would be reminded of who you are and what you came to do and how incredible that is. And Lord God, we thank you for Matt and his courage to share with us. Now let us go out in courage and the strength of your spirit, the power of your word, and make our world a different place because that's what you came to do, is to change us so that we could help you change others. We commit these folks to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. It may seem like a weird thing to do right now, but I think we should clap for God for what he's doing. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we also have live outdoor services underneath our tent at Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. You can always join us online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages to hear these messages in real time.